Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeist, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hey guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. Not sure what the weather is like where you guys are, but here in Ohio, we've decided we're going to revisit late winter. <laughs> we went from uh, about 75 degrees one day to mid-50s the next, which is a lot of fun. I'm sure that the uh, folks out there that are gardening and have houseplants outside and things like that are just loving this up and down yo-yo insane weather that we've been having. Also, I do want to mention it is Mother's Day weekend, so happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there and folks who have moms and folks who are, gonna, who are going to be moms and anybody else involved with the word mom. <laughs> we certainly wish you guys a happy Mother's Day and hope that you guys have enjoyed your weekend. Now, without any further ado, we have got a lot of listeners that have been sending in stories to us, so let's jump right into sharing a few of those. Our first story of the evening comes to us from David, and he has titled it, A Spirit with Evil Intentions. Okay, David, let's see what you sent to us. My encounters with what I consider to have been a very mean and nasty spirit began around 1970 in the state of New Jersey. We lived in a nice two-story home that my parents had recently purchased. It all seemed to start when certain pieces of furniture had been moved into the attic by me. I was then eight years old and as innocent as they come, growing up in a traditional home with parents that still espoused Victorian values. The entity, which we later discovered was a young man who had committed suicide, made his first appearance in a hallway area adjacent to my bedroom. All I saw was a silhouette of what seemed like a man wearing a long coat and a hat. I thought it was some sort of odd reflection from some light that came through the kitchen window, that is, until the shadow moved and shifted, and then I freaked out. My parents were awakened, and they searched the house high and low, but found no sign of an intruder. Things started to escalate very quickly thereafter. In the following months, I constantly felt a sense of fear or dread that something or someone was watching me, strong enough that the hair on the back of my neck would stand up each and every time. Then I started seeing family members in places within the house when they were somewhere else or in another part of the home. Every time I approached this apparition, it seemed to just break up like a fog and disappear. At times, I did feel that something was pulling on my bedsheet, and at other times, I felt cold hands coming through the bottom of the bed and touching my body. It was too weird to even talk about, and I thought I was really losing my mind. I was always an outgoing child, making friends easily and getting good marks in school. Why was this happening to me? Did I do something to deserve this? 
an eight-year-old child? The situation escalated after some eight months until I felt such extreme terror that even at that young age, I made an attempt to take my own life. I really wanted to die. The fear and agony that I went through was beyond words. I truly do not wish it on anyone. Later, I fell into a deep depression and slowly thereafter became very ill and had to be hospitalized. I had lost my eyesight and consciousness. I was rushed to the hospital by ambulance where I was on a strict liquid diet for weeks. I had to be escorted to the bathroom because I was too weak to stand up, lost control of my bowels, and slept almost all the time. This is all happening, remember, to an eight-year-old child that never had any medical conditions of any kind previous to this period. I was eventually released from the hospital and began to regain my strength over a period of weeks. We did eventually move out and sold the home. I have since then graduated from college and served a four-year tour in the Air Force, have my own business, and am married to a beautiful woman. It seems I came out of it okay, but the fear and questions linger. If you encounter any entities, do not fear them. They draw energy from your fear. Tell the entity to leave and say it forcefully. If it is still persistent, you should pray. Maybe recite some biblical passages and rebuke the entity. I hope this may help anyone out there. Remember, your number one weapon is love. Fill your heart with as much of it as you can in an unselfish way. It is the strongest of all and a natural repellent to anything evil. Wow. Okay, David, thank you for sharing that story with us. Man, that is um that is an experience and a half, especially for someone at that young of an age to be so affected by a haunting experience at the house that they feel like their only escape is to attempt suicide. I can't even imagine what that could have been like uh growing up in that kind of atmosphere to have that kind of stress on you. And it was not only obviously the emotional stress, but obviously you had a physical reaction to it as well. So definitely seems like something was either trying to attach to you or maybe even just straight up attack you for whatever reason it had selected you as the victim. But it does sound like you came through it good and that you've gotten your life together and really done something with your life. does definitely sound like you came through it with flying colors. And what you said at the end about the different tools and the different weapons that we have individually to deal with negative entities that might be attacking us are definitely words to uh, take heed to. It's definitely some good advice that you gave us. And I hope some of our listeners will listen to that and take you at your word. Thank you again, David, for sharing that. That was an incredible story. Our next story comes to us from a listener named Belinda, and she has titled it Phantom Locksmith. Okay, Belinda, let's jump into your story. I was working at the library late one night, and I had to answer the phones as part of my job. I wanted to get something out of my locker, which was right around the corner very close to the phone, so I ran over there and tried to open the combination lock very quickly. The phone rang just as I was doing that, so I ran back to answer, saying, oh darn, and leaving the lock at the 10 o'clock position instead of the 3 o'clock. 
I yanked on it to see if it would open, but it wouldn't. So I went and answered the phone, replied to the query, and within three minutes was done with the question answered and hung up. The locker area is just a few steps away, so I returned to try to open the lock again. To my shock and surprise, the lock was open and hanging open with half the lock sideways. The funny thing was, not only was the lock open, but I also found my prescription pills. I had originally brought them with me, but when I went to take my pill, the bottle was gone. So I had actually just phoned my daughter about an hour before and asked if I had accidentally left them at home. She said that I hadn't, so I thought maybe somehow I lost them on the bus on the way to work. It had never happened before, but I thought that maybe I had lost them when I showed my bus pass or when I got off the bus or something. Because my purse had some pockets, I made sure and checked them all. So imagine my shock in an empty and secure area, controlled by swipe cards and security guards. Here the lock was open, and my pills were right where I had originally thought they should be. There was no one else in the area, there are closed doors to the area, and I had no idea what was going on. Now about two weeks prior to this, I was asked why did I forget to turn the computers off at night. I had actually turned them off and even went as far as looking at the security video to confirm it. So who turned them on? I just thought maybe it was a staff member who had decided to come early but didn't tell anyone, maybe from another area, but now I just don't know. What do you think? Could a paranormal force or ghost have opened my lock, taken my pills, and then replaced them? This is really kind of freaking me out because I'm a creature of habit and I always do things very carefully and do not want to have to deal with this kind of thing. I just don't want anything I do not understand playing tricks on me. Just by coincidence, two special items of mine are also missing as well from home. I have looked and looked but cannot find them and perhaps it's just coincidence. But now I wonder. Wow, Belinda, it sounds like you're dealing with an almost classic uh, poltergeist situation. I have read of a lot of different instances where people have things like that happen at work, where either items that they have know that they had with them or that they know that they left at home have suddenly appeared with them at work, or in your case, the locker lock being open it's definitely kind of unnerving and definitely something that you don't really understand at the time what is going on but the great thing is is that a lot of times poltergeist activity tends to go away in time it's usually from a stressful situation or maybe from a subconscious desire to either have something there or to be in control of something that you're just not in control of. So not sure what's going on at work, but maybe something there is stressing you out and it's causing some activity. Of course, there's always the possibility that it is just a classic haunting and something there is just kind of playing with you. So it's a good thing that, you know, your pills did show up because I'm sure if you have prescription medication that you have it for a reason. And if it is something that is kind of messing with you, Maybe it understood that, yeah, the game's fun and everything, but maybe it's time to give the pills back and let her take her medicine. So at any rate, I do appreciate you sharing your story with us. That was awesome. Okay, the next story on our list is called The Oxygen Tank. 
and it was sent to us by a listener named Tiffany. Okay, Tiffany, let's see what the oxygen tank is all about. I have always believed in the paranormal and that ghosts are simply souls with unfinished business. This peculiar event all happened about three years prior to my birth. It's about my grandfather and the unique way he said goodbye to my grandmother, Clara. In late 1983, my grandfather suffered a heart attack that left him weak and bedridden. It was especially dire circumstances because my grandfather had lost one leg to diabetes in 1975. Also in 1975, my grandmother had suffered a fall that left her paralyzed from the waist down. The chief caretakers of my disabled grandparents were my mother's two brothers, Charles and Preston. My mother's one of seven children to my grandparents, but my uncles lived in the house with them. The fateful day came in late September, actually a few weeks before my mother's birthday. My Uncle Preston was already at work, and my Uncle Charles was busy getting himself ready for work when he decided to check on my grandparents, as he always did. They were in separate rooms, since after the heart attack, my grandfather needed an oxygen tent at all times to supply him with fresh air. My uncle checked on my grandmother and proceeded across the hall to look in on my grandfather. My grandfather appeared to be asleep, so my uncle went to nudge him awake to let him know he was going and that my uncle Preston would be home in about 15 minutes after he left. But my grandfather was cold. The poor man had died in his sleep. My grandfather had died on a Saturday and his death certificate marks his time of death at 6.30 p.m. In the following days, he was, of course, laid to rest. The following Saturday, my mother and her sister, my Aunt Dee, were sitting with my grandmother, watching TV, going over good times and keeping her company in what I'm sure was probably one of the hardest times of her life. My mother says that she and my aunt were sitting on the couch in the living room and my grandmother was propped up in her wheelchair. They were getting ready to watch Wheel of Fortune, which aired in our town at 6.30 p.m. The moment the opening sequence for the show began playing, there was a loud crash from down the hall. My grandmother asked my mother and aunt to see what the noise was because she was afraid that someone was trying to break into the house. My aunt and mother went off looking through the house. My mother went into my grandmother's room and my Aunt Dee went into my grandfather's old room. A few moments later, my Aunt Dee ran back to my mother and said, Rita, you have to see this. They both ran to my grandfather's room. The oxygen tank, which was a large and heavy tank, that had still been attached to the tent he lived in the last few weeks of his life, was lying on the other side of the room as if somebody had thrown it. But it was impossible. The only people in the house were my grandmother, my aunt, and my mother. The window was locked from the inside and both of my uncles were at work. My mother says that she and my aunt stood there for the longest time and that both of them knew it had to be my grandfather. Why else would his oxygen tank move one week to the moment after his death. 
My mother and my aunt told my grandmother that a branch from a tree had fallen on the house as to not upset her, and it was years before they told my grandmother what it really was. My mother says that she believes it was my grandfather's way of saying goodbye to my grandmother since he died before he had the chance. For what it's worth, I agree. Whoa, Tiffany, that was an absolutely incredible story. And I agree with your assessment and your grandmother's and mother's assessment that it was probably your grandfather definitely saying goodbye. Uh, how else would you explain something like that happening a week to not only to the day, but to the moment of your grandfather's passing? Uh, so definitely think that he was, I don't know if he was an angry man or if he was just a, a very strong man or if that was just him trying to get your guys' attention. But definitely takes a lot of force to throw those large oxygen tanks around and got your attention at least. So if he was saying goodbye, he wanted to make sure that you guys knew that it was him. Uh, at any rate, I do appreciate the story. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you very much for sending that into us, Tiffany. Okay. The last story that we have for you guys tonight is from Robert and he has titled it my life changing experiences. Okay, Robert, let's hear your story. My interest in the paranormal is purely based on the events in this story, which was to change my perception of the paranormal forever. When I was a child, I lived with my sister, parents, our two cats and our dog in Lancashire in the north of England. Things seemed okay at first, but over the years, many bizarre things happened in that house, which not only could I not explain, but on reflection, still frightened me to this day. When we moved into the house, I could tell it was obviously crying out for redecorating as walls needed replastering and new wallpaper. It looked as if it had seen better days and it wasn't exactly what you would call modern. Nevertheless, our parents liked it just the way it was, despite the fact that rusty old pipes needed replacing. Having lived there for a little while, I tried not to let it bother me, but it just seemed quite dank and depressing sometimes. I thought that it was just me, and I tried to convince myself that there was nothing wrong. Besides, no one would have taken me seriously anyway. Nothing really strange as such happened for a while. One night, I was watching TV in my room. Everything seemed okay at first, when all of a sudden I heard what could only be described as a whispering sound behind me, saying, Help me. Naturally, I turned around to see what the hell it was, but there was nothing there. So I just put it down to my imagination. Moments later, I heard the same voice again. Help me. This time, I noticed something appear on the floor on my left peripheral vision. When I turned to face it, I got the shock of my life. Lying beside me was a transparent figure of what looked like a dead woman wearing a long white and blue dress with long brown hair. Her eyes were wide open, facing me as if she had been brutally murdered just a moment before. 
I knew that this wasn't an optical illusion as I watched her slowly disappear. Frozen in fear, trying to digest what had just happened and waiting for what was going to happen next, I laid there. Fortunately, nothing else happened. The next day, having had little sleep, I went down to breakfast with my family, hesitant to share my experience of that night. I eventually decided to tell my father, but he simply disregarded it. This made me quite upset as my family thought I was crazy. A week or so passed since the episode, and over that period of time, I had virtually forgotten about it. I tried to put it down to possible tiredness or maybe even indigestion. Until one afternoon, my sister Claire spoke to my mother and me concerning an incident she had experienced in her bedroom and confirmed my fears forever. She witnessed what she described as an old hag looking straight at her but saying nothing. She said it looked like a wrinkly-faced old witch. She also had witnessed hooded figures standing at the foot of her bed. Now my sister never panicked unless there was something really wrong and she was really panicking. I felt for Claire as I clearly remembered the time when I saw the vision of the dead woman. Our mother decided to inform our father of these strange incidents and they eventually proceeded to investigate the entire house. Needless to say, they found nothing. Things gradually got worse from there in. That very night, there was a violent wind blowing and the rain was slamming down onto the roof of the house. My mother called out to Smokey, one of our cats, to let him know his dinner was ready. Normally, Smokey was enthusiastic when it came to food and would rush down the stairs, but not that night. There was no way he could have gotten out of the house as both the front and back doors were shut and locked and the windows were all closed due to the torrential rain and violent wind, especially in the north of England. My parents checked the living room and the kitchen. My sister checked the hallways and her bedroom, and I checked all the rooms upstairs, but he was nowhere to be found. For days, I would wish for Smokey to return, but eventually, I knew he wouldn't. I never really got over that. As the days went on, our dog, Ben began to bark violently as if he was angry about something. The frightening thing about this was that he never really changed after that night and it was totally unlike him previously. After that night, he would tend to bark in a violent fashion unexpectedly. I couldn't look at Ben the same way again. He continued acting like this for years afterwards, normally towards me. However, because we were living there, I had to try and find some way of accepting the strange experiences which were happening to us. As we were attempting to come to terms with the loss of Smokey and the changes in Ben, things didn't stop there. One Sunday night before school, my parents advised me to have an early night ready for school the next day. Although I didn't really want to, I did what they asked. I got ready for bed, turned the lights off, and laid down. Nothing happened for hours, and I was eventually too tired to wait for anything to happen. But sure enough, I heard another voice, this time in my right ear. Unlike the whispering voice of the dead woman, this was a very deep, male voice saying the words, 
get out very clearly. Obviously surprised, I sat up and turned my head very quickly to my right and saw to my amazement what looked like the face of either a very, very old man with a wrinkly run-down face or someone or something with a severe facial disfigurement. This had to have been the most bizarre apparition I have ever seen. Its eyes were wide open and unnaturally wide apart, as if it possibly wasn't human. To make things worse, it was standing right next to my bed looking directly at me. Luckily for me, I soon left home and went to boarding school where I stayed from Monday to Friday. Shortly afterwards, I started secondary school and we moved houses as things just got to be too much. Strangely enough, shortly after moving, the house was burned down due to a fire which was started in the attic. One of the firemen found an abandoned kitten in the house which was alive and well after the fire was extinguished. Could that have been Smokey's rebirth or something? I don't know. All I know is that I don't want to think about those experiences, but they will stay with me forever nonetheless. Oh man, Robert, that was a really, really creepy story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I've never been to the UK, but I do know that it is very, very full of history. And it seems like every house you come to has had some kind of paranormal or haunting activity. It's definitely a place that is not uncommon to run into houses that are haunted. And it seems like you guys ran into one that was a little more haunted than most and definitely not with the friendliest of apparitions between it uh, appearing to you and to your sister and the way that it appeared to you guys did not seem to be very friendly. Uh, be very curious to find out what, if anything, was the history of the house beforehand or if they rebuilt something on that land to see if there was still activity happening there. And amazing, like you said, the kitten that was found after the fire was extinguished you postulate that it could be your lost cat being reborn. And I'm not going to say that's not a fact, but it's definitely a coincidence. So at any rate, very cool story, Robert. And I do appreciate you sending that to us. That was awesome. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of true paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Robert and Tiffany and Belinda and David for sending in the stories that we use today. You guys are absolute rock stars. And if you would like to be a rock star and have your experience shared on our show, just check us out on Facebook at true paranormal dash the podcast and hit that like button and look for the message us button or the email us button and hit either one of those and send us your story. We would be glad to share them with the world here on one of our future broadcasts. Alternately, you can also email that to us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating and a review. Check out our archived episodes there too. There's some good stuff in those older episodes. Also look for us on Twitter and on YouTube and basically anywhere else that you guys can pick up podcasts from. We're kind of everywhere at this point. That being said, 
This is Leo Rizzuti. I do appreciate you guys tuning in to us and checking us out every week. And be sure to join us next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. Thank you.